0: Welcome to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly.
1: Hey, man. I am your co-host, Austin, man.
0: All right. So that's Welcome Austin. to Mama
1: Mystery, man.
0: He's on every other episode, in case you didn't recognize the accent he's doing.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: Here we are. So... We don't have an intro. Other we don't than just need that. an intro. We we're ready to go. Intro.
1: You guys don't want them BS. Let's yeah, get straight I, I into the I have a feeling you're cast. just a
0: straight shooter and you don't want all that BS chitter chatter, so we're just gonna get right to the point.
1: No foreplay, please.
0: No foreplay.
1: Like podcast foreplay.
0: Yeah, got it. Okay. So this case was recommended to us by Katie Mays. Thank you so much, Katie, for listening and for recommending this wild case.
1: Kelly is hyped about this case. I am
0: so hyped about this case. Today she's
1: texted me multiple times and said, oh my God, babe, I'm so excited for the case tonight. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs)
0: that is not what i sound like i
1: I joke i joke but she's excited
0: you always do a really cheesy impression of me and i actually honestly i am entertained by it
1: i can do good impressions of kelly though
0: you do really good impressions of a lot of people so anyway this case i had never heard of it until katie mays brought it up to me and once i started doing the deep dive i was just blown away and i keep telling austin you're gonna be so stunned when you hear about this whole story it's just bonkers it's bonkers! Bonkers! That's Kelly never says bonkers. Never say bonkers, but that's what came to mind just now. That
1: has to be in the caption of this episode. Bonkers!
0: Bonkers! Bonkers! Okay, so Lululemon. Um, just for starters, publicly
1: traded company, awesome <laughs> clothing company, really good quality stuff, very expensive,
0: super expensive, nice
1: and premium. I,
0: I used to be one of those people who was like, I can't even imagine spending a hundred dollars plus on leggings that are meant to be sweat in because I sweat a lot when I work out. So I'm thinking, like, why would I spend that much money on leggings? Well, that is all until I got really tired of my usual leggings sagging and not staying up and falling apart, Um, and a friend got me a Lululemon gift card, and I bought my first pair of leggings. And from then on, I have been a believer.
1: Once you try their stuff, I mean... Like, yeah. guys are always like, oh, that's that expensive stuff that girls get. No, it's once you try it, it's good stuff. There's
0: something about them. Really and good I quality. I don't know what it is. Because I've, I've got other leggings that have the same fabric, but they're just They're not, not the, the same, same fabric.
1: Yeah, they have some material that's in their stuff. It's wild. Yes.
0: So the story we are going to dive into today is about the murder of a dedicated Lululemon employee. And it all started over a pair of those coveted leggings.
1: What if this post goes viral? And okay. they, they, what if it goes viral, this podcast and their stock takes a hit and everybody who's listening to this shares it. We all short the stock and make a ton of money.
0: Austin's really big on this AMC GameStop app stuff. I don't know if you've heard about it, all these stocks. Anyway, that's, that's another podcast. We're not here to talk about that. Okay. So this what is podcast the... is that <laughs> not this one. Okay. Okay. This is the murder of Jaina Murray. So we begin this story in Bethesda, Maryland. In Maryland, in March of 2011, almost exactly 10 years ago, it's March 12th, and Rachel, the manager of this particular Lululemon store, has arrived in the morning to open the store for the day. I'm
1: already shocked because I thought that Lulu was like five years ago. I had no oh. idea Lulu's been around that
0: long. Yeah, long time. Good stuff. The first thing she notices is that the front door to the store is unlocked. So this is a huge red flag. If any of you have shopped at a Lululemon, you know how expensive their merchandise is. We just talked about it. Um, So this store is placed among other high-end stores. For example, right next door, they share a wall, is the Apple Store. So Austin and I, we live near Kansas City. So the equivalent for us would be like the Country Club Plaza. That's the type of area. That's this is. where a Lulu
1: is. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and we have a Lulu there, um, which houses stores like Coach, Tiffany's. At one point, there was a Burberry. I'm not sure if it's still there anymore. Uh, we have an Apple Store there too. So I'm just trying to like set the scene for you guys because to have a luxury store just left unlocked all night is really alarming. Her first thought was probably like, who the hell closed last night so I can rip their ass? But when Rachel opens the door to the store, she immediately notices that the store has been rummaged through. There are shirts strewn about, items from the shelves were on the floor, a mannequin was laying on the ground... So panicked, Rachel runs back outside because she realizes the store has had intruders and could possibly still have intruders. So the first thing she sees outside is a line of people outside the Apple store. Apple was releasing their iPad 2 and there was a line out the door of people waiting to get their hands on one. So she immediately runs up to one of the patrons and asks him for help because she believes someone might still be in the store and she doesn't want to be in there alone. So this guy from the Apple line, his name is Ryan Ha. Rachel explains to Ryan what's going on and asks Ryan if he has noticed anyone around um, or in the Lululemon store before she got there. He'd been waiting in line for about one to two hours. And in that time frame, he didn't notice anyone near the Lulu store. But he did offer to go in, into the store with Rachel to make sure that nobody was in there. So they make their way in toward the back of the store. Have
1: they called the police yet?
0: Yeah, she's calling the police.
1: Okay.
0: They make their way to the back of the store. And as they get closer to the cash registers, they realize that every single cash register is open and completely devoid of cash. So clearly a robbery. What the heck does
1: devoid mean, Kelly? Does that mean no cash in there? Oh, my God.
0: Yes, Austin. It means there's no cash.
1: The drawers are empty. Yeah, you're so smart, babe. What the heck is devoid?
0: You're so pretty. <laughs> so anyway,
1: there's no cash in the there. There ain't no
0: cash in them drawers. So I didn't clearly, to say it like a redneck, a I just robbery the, the, has the, dr- occurred. You're a smart
1: girl, I'm telling you that right now. <sighs> English major, everybody.
0: They make their way Mary one near. <laughs> they make their way near one of the back areas where the fitting rooms are located, and there's also a back area for employees, and it's all completely ransacked. The further they get into the store, the messier it gets, and then they notice on the floor there is dried, bloody shoe prints dun,
1: dun, dun.
0: leading into the private back area in the back of the store. Oh, no. Or I'm sorry, the break area. You get what I'm saying. Oh, no, no, no. So Rachel, at this point, is on the phone with 911. She goes to the front of the store because she's freaked out, and I can only imagine the fear of what she's afraid she will find in the back. Got a call timeout. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Lay it on me.
1: At this point.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Hurry up.
1: I'm thinking. Hold on. Just pause it. I'm thinking. (laughs) Pause it. I'm sorry. I don't remember. I didn't mean to waste everybody's time. (laughs) Okay.
0: So anyway, she's up at the front of the store. Um, I can only imagine the fear of what she's afraid she will find in the back. So she doesn't even go back there. She just stays up front. Ryan makes his way toward the back of the store, following these bloody shoe prints. I remember what I was going to say. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> do do you have the recording of the police conversation? I do not. Damn it! Go ahead.
0: Sorry, but it's honestly not really that important. Well, I mean, it just would have been. On I
1: know, but just to hear, like, oh my god, blood! I'm going to the front of the store. That's what happened, basically. Oh, I'm
0: sorry that that's after okay. all go my ahead. research and nine pages of writing, that I left one thing out for you, Austin. So anyway, Ryan makes his way toward the back of the store, following those shoe prints. And can you imagine? All this guy had on his agenda for the day was to get himself a new iPad, too. And now he's literally walking into the back Finding of an active people. crime scene. <sighs> Yikes. Keep All he to wanted yourself, was yourself, Ryan.
1: Mind your own beeswax.
0: That's why we order online.
1: And mind your own beeswax.
0: Oh, gosh. I don't know. What would you do in a situation like that? If a girl... If you're waiting in line and a girl comes up and she's like, can you please help me? I think that the store I'm about to walk into... I say to back. her, have
1: you ever heard of Mama Mystery? <laughs> I'm not going in there.
0: <laughs> not today, lady. Yeah. So he makes his way further back into the back break area and finally comes upon a dead body. This victim was laying face down in a huge pool of blood. There is blood on the walls. It's horror. It's horrendous. I mean, I can't even describe it to you. Like this might actually be one of the most vicious crimes I've covered. Have you ever. seen pictures? Yes.
1: Okay. I was thinking like, are you making this up? Like, but oh you've my seen God. pictures. No,
0: no, no. The pictures, like there's a picture of a cop measuring the blood splatter to see how high it goes on the wall. Oh I mean, gosh. it's, and it's like, I can't even, I don't even know how I would describe it to you. The blood is all over the walls. It's the bloodiest crime scene I think I've ever seen. Sheesh. So her face was completely unrecognizable. And the only way that he knew or that he assumed it was female was because of her long hair. He noticed that she had a rope around her neck, she was clearly dead. And he turns around to go to the front of the store. Um, at this point, he's completely freaked out, and he hears moaning coming from the employee bathroom.
1: He no. opens the bathroom. No, why did you open it? I just got the goosebumps. Leave, <laughs> dummy. God, you idiot. All right, go ahead.
0: He opens this bathroom door. I got the goosebumps. And finds another girl laying oh in gosh. a huge mess of blood.
1: This is ridiculous. There's
0: So she's laying... Um, There's paper towels and blood, and the paper towels are soaked in blood. Like, it's just, it's a messy um, bathroom. She's, like, laid out on the floor with her feet zip-tied and her hands zip-tied above her head. He can't quite tell what her injuries are, but he can see that there are, like, cuts or maybe open wounds on her because she's got blood all over her. So, at this point, Ryan realizes that time is of the essence here. So, he runs back up to Rachel, who's on the phone with police, and tells her that they need an ambulance there. Is that chick alive? Yes. Okay. Once he explains what's going on in the back room, Rachel realizes that the victims are probably the two employees that closed the store the previous night. Their names were Jana Murray and Brittany Norwood. So, Jana was the victim in the back room that was found dead, She was 30 years old. She was born in Kansas before moving to Texas, where she grew up. She was a high achiever, disciplined in sports and school, very naturally gifted as well. Friends remembered her as being very vibrant and likable. She was always smiling. She had blonde hair, um, big smile, blue eyes, had a great sense of humor, She excelled in tap dancing and loved to dance, and her instructors believed that she could have made a career out of dancing, but she had other plans. She loved traveling and being outdoors and staying active, which correlated with her interest in Lululemon. In fact, there's a video of her bungee jumping over a waterfall for her 30th birthday. So she was very outgoing and loved adventure. She studied abroad in Spain among other countries, but she spent most of her time ab- abroad in Spain before she moved back home to finish her degree in business and communications. Jana had a pretty serious boyfriend named Fra- Fraser or Fraser. It's F R A S E R. So I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but They planned on spending their life together. In fact, Fraser was shopping for engagement rings within a couple weeks of Jaina's murder. And he had already asked Jaina's parents for permission to ask her to marry him. So, of course, Jaina's parents were just completely heartbroken over this. And Jaina's mom had a really hard time parting with Jaina's things. So, for example, after this happened, when she went to her apartment after the murder, she found a partially finished can of Dr. Pepper, which was Jaina's, like, favorite drink, and she just could not bring herself to throw it away. The grief was insurmountable, and she described it as, quote, a pain that ripped through our bodies. The grief is like a lightning strike. It is so powerful. It is so intense. And to whoever did this, this individual must be removed from society forever. So police and EMTs arrive on the scene and immediately get to the survivor, Brittany, to assess what's going on. They notice that Brittany has various wounds all over her body. Her shirt was pulled up to her bra, but not exposing her bra, but that showed a bunch of wounds like all over her stomach. So she still had her leggings on, but the crotch of her leggings had been cut. So they assumed a sexual assault had probably occurred. They also find a rock on the floor covered in blood that maybe could have been used as a weapon, so in the other room where Jaina laid on the floor, they pointed out some more possible weapons. In an open toolbox that was actually laying on top of Jaina, they found a piece of shelving with blood on it. This was one of those like metal iron bars mm-hmm. that goes under the shelf to, to support the shelf. So you can imagine like what that looks like. They're pretty wide, skinny metal pieces, and they're usually kind of heavy. So you can imagine that it would do some damage mm-hmm. when used as a weapon. They also found a wrench, a hammer, some other various tools, all covered in blood. They also noticed that there are footprints. And at first, it appears that there are actually two sets of footprints. One pair seemed to belong to one of the girls. They were smaller than the other set, which appeared to be from a man as they were about a size 14. And that is a huge shoe. It's a big old foot. Yeah. But one of the crime scene investigators noticed that the footprints seemed a little bit off, like they didn't line up with the typical biomechanical footprints, suggesting that maybe this person had trouble walking. So I'm not sure, but there was just something, quote, off about these footprints.
1: All I keep hoping at this point is that they get caught.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. And this is a solved case, just to ease your mind for now. Um, Investigators follow the footprints, and they led to a sink where it appears that the assailant rinsed the shoes off because from there, there were no more shoe prints. And so at this point, it's unclear how the assailants actually left the store. Police removed Jaina's body from the scene, and she's sent to have an autopsy. And what the medical examiner found was just absolutely vicious. The Emmy determined that Jaina suffered from at least 331 separate injuries to her body. 331. That's nuts. <clears throat> Let that sink in for a moment. You have to think, at just one blow per second, that equates to almost six minutes of just nonstop bludgeoning. Shit. But that type of force at that quantity would be exhausting. So surely the assailant had to have taken some breaks. So the medical examiner ultimately determined that an attack like this would have taken at least 17 to 20 minutes. I also want you to of realize... consistent,
1: pretty a consistent attack. attacking.
0: Yeah, blind rage. I also want you to realize that this crime scene was incredibly bloody. There were pools of thick blood indicating that Jaina was alive and bleeding through much of this attack. Gosh. In order to actively bleed like this, you have to have blood pressure and like a beating heart. So Jaina was alive through much of this attack, and the medical examiner suggested that Jaina was likely alive until that very last blow. Oh, my gosh. And I read that actually they think the last blow was a knife to the back of her neck, which severed her spinal cord. <sighs> So this is no longer just a robbery. This is a crime of complete savagery. This, to me, is the first red flag because you don't typically see robberies result in such malicious injuries. The primary objective of a robber is to get the goods and go. And sure, sometimes if someone gets in the way, they may get shot or subdued, but it's quick. So imagine how much time it would take to inflict 331 injuries. Right. Many of these injuries were stab wounds, while some of them were more like bludgeoning wounds. She did have self-defense wounds on her hands, where she held up her hands trying to defend herself from the attacker. But get this, out of 331 injuries counted, about 200 of those injuries were done to her head, face, and (coughs) neck area. (coughs) She suffered from 13 skull fractures and a stab wound on the back of her neck that I just mentioned. So meanwhile, Brittany was rushed to the hospital where she was evaluated for her injuries. It became immediately apparent that Jaina really received the brunt end of this attack because many of Brittany's injuries were a little more superficial. She didn't need many stitches. Many of her injuries didn't go very deep and they just needed to be cleaned up. She had one injury to her forehead and one injury to her hand that needed more attention. And she also told the nurses or doctors, um, that she'd been sexually assaulted as well. So they did a rape kit on her. Once she was all fixed up, police police wasted no time asking her what happened, because, again, time is of the essence here, and they need to get her information as quickly as possible. So Brittany told police that it was just her and Jaina at the store the night prior. They'd both been scheduled to close together, they did their usual duties, <clears throat> closed the store, and mm-hmm. headed home. She said Jana got into her car while she went to the subway station. But once she got to the station, she realized she must have left her Metro card in the store. So she could have just gone back to the store, but Brittany didn't have the keys. Jana did. And Brittany didn't have Jana's phone number. So Brittany called some of the other employees, including Rachel, the, the store manager, and she gets the phone number for Jana. Jaina, once, once Brittany gets a hold of her, realizes that she also left her laptop there, so she turns around to go back to the store. Brittany is waiting outside the Lululemon store when Jaina pulls up and just parks right in front of the store, like right there on the curb. They both go in, start looking for their things, but for the life of her, Brittany said she could not find her Metro card. She said that Jaina offered to give Brittany her Metro card since they were both going to be back the next day. So they go to leave, and that's when Brittany says they were ambushed. She said there were two men. One was taller than the other, all dressed in black, and one of them had on a backpack. She said that each guy took one of the girls and dragged them back to the back of the store. She said she witnessed the other assailant hit Jaina in the head and knock her out and drag her to the back room while the other guy took Brittany into the bathroom. She described the men as probably white because she couldn't actually see their faces since all the lights were off and they were wearing face masks. But she said she felt like they were probably white because of the way that they talked and how Brittany's assailant called her a bunch of racial slurs. Um, because Brittany was black. Oh, okay, I was confused. Yeah, sorry, I never said that. But yeah, Brittany was black. Jano was white. But um, Yeah. So she said that her assailant was calling her a bunch of racial slurs. She described the torture from her assailant, how he cut her with a razor blade, raped her, then left the room and returned with one of those store hangers to sexually assault her with. She said she could hear Jaina outside the door fighting for her life and likely being tortured as well. She then tells the police that the two men picked her up and threw her on top of Jaina's body, which I think was probably when she realized that Jaina was dead, then picked her back up, threw her into the bathroom, and told her that they only spared her life because she was, quote, more fun to fuck, end quote. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: So, understandably, Brittany was traumatized by all this. She was super emotional, felt incredibly guilty for forgetting her card because she felt like if she had remembered her Metro card, then none of this would have happened, investigators are still working the scene when they go to check for cctv footage
1: what is cctv footage
0: closed circuit TV it, okay. yeah so like security cameras so um lululemon didn't have any security cameras at the time but the apple store right next door did so sure enough they find footage of two men walking by with a discrepancy in height all dressed in black and one with a backpack on But because of the way that the camera was angled, the men walk by and pass the front of the camera, never actually showing their faces. So the way it's angled as they walk by, it only shows their back. The same day as this attack, the news breaks of the story and puts the footage on air to ask for help in identifying these two women. Two men. I mean, sorry, two men. Thank you. Thank you. And people are freaking out because this is just not the area. This Like the crime was low. This is freaking people out. There's like self-defense weapons being sold off the shelves. People are scared. There was also a local homeless man who was questioned by police as a possible person of interest, but he was later cleared. So in the meantime, police start questioning employees of some of the surrounding stores to see if they have any information that will help with the case. They start at the Apple store right next door, and sure enough, one of the employees that closed the night before has been itching to talk to detectives. That night, this employee said she heard noises coming from the Lululemon store after 10 p.m. on the night of the 11th. She heard what sounded like thudding, dragging, and grunting noises and high-pitched squealing. It was apparently so bad that when she discussed this with their security guard, Um, and manager and when she discussed this with the security guard he went up and listened to the wall like with his ear and pounded on the wall to get them to stop and it did stop but she said that she heard a female voice saying talk to me don't do this talk to me what's going on and that the plea was followed by screams and calls for help with someone saying God help me please God help me so
1: Man, this is like a nightmare right now.
0: Yeah. So um, even though the they heard what was going on and they banged on the, the wall, no one ever thought to call the police. Man. Yeah. I don't know if that security guard still has his job, but I surely hope he doesn't because he's about as protective as a golden retriever. Like, uh. it's pathetic. Just pathetic. It makes me really mad. So... As investigators are gathering their evidence, one thing they realize is that Jana's car is nowhere to be found. Remember, Brittany told them that Jana parked right out front of the store, but it was no longer there. So the assumption was that maybe the assailants also took her car.
1: Like she left her keys in her car when they ran in.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so police are going over the details of the car and point out that her car still has Texas plates. And that's when one of the cops is like, wait a second, I remember seeing this car a few blocks down last night around midnight. And he remembered the car parked with its lights on and seeing someone in what appeared to be the passenger seat. So midnight would have been about two hours after the ta- attack, according to Brittany's timeline.
1: Man, so they were, Brittany was laying in there all night,
0: yeah, zip tied in the bathroom. Yeah, and Jaina. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously Jaina was dead, but Brittany was alive. Yeah. So anyway, man,
1: can you imagine like from midnight, say, or 10 to the morning, how long that would feel like?
0: Yeah. And you're laying in a pool of blood
1: and you know that the person and it's not even you all den. her
0: blood. She was laid on top of Jaina and got oh, a lot of Jaina's blood on her. So she's got a lot of blood. That's awful. So, um, he, anyway, this, this cop, he takes the cops back to the location and sure enough, the car is there. So they take it in to be examined. While the car is being examined for evidence, one of the detectives deci- decides to stake out the area. Within a couple days of the attack, he sits in his car and just watches people in the shopping area, waiting to see if maybe the assailants will return to the scene of the crime. It's unlikely, but it's not impossible, because sometimes assailants will do that. Ted Bundy, remember we watched that documentary and he would often go back to the same right. area? So, midnight, w- or I'm sorry. I lost track of where I was. Um, So he waits and he watches. And then finally, after hours of people watching, he spots two men with a disparity in height wearing all black. He was sure that these men... Night time or what time? I don't know. But he sees them within a couple days. He was sure that these were the men in that security footage. So he gets out of his car. He approaches them with some like printouts of the video and immediately they're like yeah that's us and here's the thing these guys had a perfectly cemented alibi the two of them were waiters at a nearby restaurant and they were wearing all black because it's part of their uniform and they were walking in that direction because they lived in that direction so their alibi is completely checked out and the detectives were back to square one
1: wait did did they didn't do anything with them
0: no, they couldn't. I mean, those the two men that they, you know, they said, that's us in the footage, but they're like, but we work at a nearby restaurant. It's probably like a P.F. Chang's or right, still. Cheesecake Factory where they have those all-black yeah. uniforms. So they're going back over the evidence and come up with some questions. So first of all, the shoe prints. Going through the scene, they actually ended up finding the pair of shoes that left the size 14 shoe prints, and it was a pair of Reebok trainers As they were talking to Rachel, the store manager, about these shoes, she was like, oh, those belong to the store. We actually use those for alterations. They use those because anybody can fit into a size 14. So the police are stunned. Like, wait a second. These shoes were in the store before the attack but left prints during the attack? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like they came
1: in and put those shoes on.
0: Yeah. 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 So police also start to question the injuries that Brittany sustained versus the injuries that Jaina sustained. Most of Brittany's injuries were just superficial scratches, almost like cat scratches. Um, And only two of her injuries ended up needing stitches. The one on her forehead, it was like right at the top of her forehead, and the one on her hand. Did her
1: rape kit come back showing that she'd been raped?
0: So I'll get to that in a second. But um, they, she also had one on her hand where she had, like, a cut between her first finger and her thumb. So police also recall that the Apple employee next door only reported hearing female voices coming from, the, from next door. So Brittany told police that the assailant was calling her racist slurs, but the, the Apple employee and security guard next door never once noted a male voice. The police start to get a little suspicious of Brittany's story and think maybe she was in on this whole attack. So they ask some friends, family, and acquaintances of Brittany what type of person she was. And they found out that while she was growing up, she would babysit. And over time, the families that hired her to babysit would start to notice little things in their house go missing, like little pieces of jewelry, spare change laying around, like little things like that. One of her old college roommates recalled living with Brittany and said that while they were living together, Brittany would have the roommate just pay her her half of the rent, and then Brittany would go pay the rent in full. Well, after a few months, Brittany told her roommate that her rent had gone up. So the roommate started paying extra, only to find out that the rent Brittany never... Brittany was pocketing it. Yeah, it never went up, and Brittany was just pocketing that extra money. She also played soccer, and at one point in her life, um, or during her like soccer career... Um, Her teammates remember little things going missing from the team's locker room.
1: Holy smoke. So her character is going down. This is not good.
0: I'm talking little things like lip gloss, a piece of jewelry, a $10 bill from a player's purse. Like, they eventually confronted her and eventually had her removed from the team. And during her last year of college, she was actually expelled. But she told her friends and family that she had graduated. And they never questioned her because she told them that she couldn't walk in the ceremony due due to outstanding school loans. So. No way. Before working at Lululemon in Bethesda, Brittany worked at another Lululemon store, and she was let go. So when police spoke to Rachel, they found out that Brittany had only been working at the Bethesda store for about six weeks and had already tried abusing the employee discount. Apparently, and I don't know if this is true, um, or if this is still the case, if you have worked for Lululemon, comment on our Mama Mystery page. It's mama.mystery on Instagram and let me know because I would love to know the truth. But um, Lululemon would offer employees one big shopping day a year where they could purchase whatever they wanted at a 75% discount. But there was a cap as to how much they could spend. But you could still, you could get a lot with a 75% discount. And I think their cap was like maybe 600 bucks. Um, so Brittany asked Rachel if she could extend her cap just a little bit because she needed a whole new wardrobe since she was, you know, this new employee and Rachel told her she could extend it by a little bit, but Brittany took full advantage and completely doubled the cap. Rachel also told investigators that Brittany didn't get along very well with Jaina Apparently, a few of the employees suspected that Brittany had stolen some items from the store and from the employee break room, but they didn't have foolproof evidence. They just noticed that some things would go missing, and Brittany was the common denominator. So a couple of the managers, including Jaina, got together and devised this agreement that if they could actually catch Brittany stealing red-handed, that that would be it. She would be fired. They told other employees to also make sure that they reported any instances of stealing and implemented a policy where at the end of each shift, the manager would check the employee's bags for any stolen merchandise. Well, on the day, either the day of or the day before the murder, Rachel said that Jaina thought she saw Brittany put a pair of leggings into her bag so at the end of the shift, she asked Brittany if she could check her bag, and Brittany told her that another employee already checked it. She gave the name of the employee that checked it, so Jana asked this girl, and she was like, no, I never checked her bag. So meanwhile, police get the results back from the car. There was a bunch of little blood spots found throughout the car, and the blood belonged to Brittany and Jana, which would make sense if the killer or killers had their blood on them and then stole the car. But the odd thing is, they found a Lululemon hat, and right on the inside of the hat, there was a bloody spot right where the forehead would be. And as we know, Brittany suffered from a head wound right there on her forehead. So police asked Brittany again about Jana's car. They asked if she knew what kind of car Brittany, or what kind of car Jana had. And Brittany said, no, I only saw it once. And still claimed that Jana had parked the car right out in front of the store that night. But this if that were the case... This is all
1: mind-blowing right now. I'm like, what the F? I told you. You said boggling? What'd you say earlier? Bonkers. Bonkers. This is bonkers.
0: So um, she said that she remembered Jana parking her car out front of the store. But if that were the case, how did Brittany's hat end up in the car? And why would Britney move Jana's car only a few blocks away? Well, it's been theorized that maybe Britney moved the car because she knew the store manager Rachel lived right across the street from the Lululemon store and had a view of the store from one of her windows. So maybe Britney thought, "I need to move this car so Rachel doesn't see it and wonder what's going on and come check on the store before I can get all my shit together." Right. So. It's also around this time that the rape kit that was taken was finally completed, and the results were damning. Brittany claimed she had been raped, but the rape kit's results showed that she had not been raped, and she was lying. The cops' attention has now begun to shift from intruders to now just getting suspicious of Brittany, and they bring in some ex- some experts to confirm their theory. So this forensic expert took a closer look at the zip ties used to tie Brittany's wrists and found teeth marks in the end of the tie, no indicating that, when she used, that she used her own teeth to pull the oh zip ties closed, gosh. right? Another thing that this expert noticed were the bloody footprints. It appeared as though the smaller footprints were always under the larger footprints, meaning the smaller footprints were laid first, and then possibly the same person changed their shoes and laid all the larger footprints because there was not one single print no where the small way. one laid on top of the larger one. So it was likely that Brittany actually put these shoes on and tracked them through Jaina's blood and walked around the store to make it look like a larger man was wearing the shoes. No way. It was also later found that Britney's socks, after being soaked in blood, left the same imprint on the inside of the size 14 shoe. So they were able to match up her footprint inside that shoe. Oh my gosh. So just as they're beginning to suspect Brittany as being the assailant, or at the very least having involvement in this murder, Brittany arrives at the police station to add a little more to her story. She tells them that suddenly parts of her memory have come back, and she remembered a detail that she hadn't mentioned before. So she says, at one point in the night, the two masked intruders forced her to go through Jana's purse and find her car keys and move her car.
1: Oh, you forgot about that part.
0: Yeah, and why? Why? So she is literally telling them that these attackers let her go to drive this car down back. the street and, and then walk back to the store. And she even told them that on her walk back, she passed a cop. But didn't say anything. Right. Yeah. The cops obviously didn't believe this bullshit story and decide instead to just confront her. She starts getting really emotional and defensive, and finally the cops just lay it all out. They lay out all the evidence that they have against her, and her only response is, Can I just go home now? Rather than give in to that question, they ask her to give them a minute. So they leave the room and decide to bring in Brittany's siblings, Chris and Marissa.
1: Can they not just arrest her on the spot?
0: Well, just wait. I think they really wanted to get a confession out of her. They wanted to get as much as she could say out of her when they had her recorded in that room. So in front of her siblings, they review the evidence again and all the reasons that they believe Brittany is actually responsible for this heinous crime. Her sister gets so upset that she has to leave. And they offer to leave the room for just her and her brother Chris. So they leave the room. Chris pleads with her to just be honest with him. And he says, you know, if you did it, then we'll, you know, we'll get a lawyer and we'll figure it out. But like there's gonna be a media shitstorm, and he's saying all these things, and he's like, if you did it, you just need to tell me. And finally, she says, I don't want to talk about it here. So, so she did it. That was enough. That was all the police needed to arrest Brittany. And on March 18th, only seven days after Jana was killed, they arrested her for the murder of Jana Murray.
1: God, I did not see all this coming. Holy cow, what a curveball.
0: So everyone following this story, and especially Jaina's family, was stunned to hear that the assailants they were terrified of never actually existed, and that the murderer here was Jaina's very own co-worker. People, including Jaina's family, felt sympathy for Brittany before they found out she did it. You even started feeling sympathy. I said,
1: imagine her laying there all night, how long of a night that would be. Yeah.
0: Um, They were even going to send her flowers in the hospital, but didn't because obviously she wasn't there very long. Brittany had Jaina's family and everyone in the community completely fooled. And I want to add real quick about her injuries. So the injury to her finger and thumb is an injury I've heard of frequently when I've watched crime documentaries or stories. So it often happens because blood can be such a slippery substance that when you're just repeatedly stabbing someone over and over and you get the blood on your hand your hand will slip and go down the knife and the blade will cut you if you're holding the knife like this you know like imagine you're holding a knife like anyone would and if your hand goes down the blade it's going to cut you right between your thumb and your first finger
1: right makes makes sense
0: yeah and then the injury on her forehead was theorized different ways. It could have been an injury, um, like a self-defense from Jaina, maybe hitting her back. It could have been from her just hitting out of control. Maybe she had her hammer or the wrench or, you know, the shelving. Maybe she kind of reared back too hard and hit herself in the forehead. Or maybe it was self-inflicted because she obviously self-inflicted all these other scratches. Scratches. They were scratches. It looked like cat scratches. And the police, when they confronted her about it, they were like, these marks, you made them yourself. Like It's very obvious. You made these scratches yourself. So um, in the coming months before her trial, she was allowed to make phone calls. And it was noted that during many of these phone calls, her main concerns actually just regarded her looks. She was stressed about not being able to get her hair done and her nails done. But the ultimate question here is why? And was this premeditated? So as you know, if you are going for the first degree murder charge you have to prove that this was premeditated and there's been arguments on both sides so people who say that this was not premeditated point out that she called Rachel before she went back to the store so that she could get Jana's number and if she was really premeditating this then maybe she could have um,
1: already, had her, phone already had her
0: phone number and had it all planned out but people who say it was premeditated argue about the fact that Jana knew Brittany was stealing a pair of leggings and Brittany had an interview coming up in the next couple days because she wanted to be a personal trainer at a gym. So maybe she was afraid that if this went on her record, then it would get back to this personal trainer and your, or this interviewer and that she wouldn't get the job. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I guess you'll just have to tell me what you think, if this was premeditated or not. Either way, um, the jury only took one hour to deliberate before they found her guilty of first-degree murder.
1: I think... I will give you my input. Yeah, I didn't I know that's know. what you're wanting. Yeah. So, I think that, I mean, I don't know. I didn't know how a judge or a jury would would de- proclaim it, but like to me, I almost wonder if they got back in there and Jana, Jana, I'm pronouncing that mm-hmm. Jana, approached Brittany about it, and then they got into an altercation, and she got pissed and flew off the deep end or something. Yeah. M- maybe more so than like premeditating, but I mean, she obviously probably didn't like her before. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: Well, and it's interesting too, to note that even though she had some very serious character flaws in her past, she never had a criminal record. So this type of like rage and assault seemed to just come out of nowhere.
1: Regardless though, whether it was first degree or second degree, like with how severe it was, like you should be locked up for life. Oh, for sure. minimum. Yeah. I mean,
0: you have to imagine like 331 injuries. She was just going to town on this poor girl. Right. Like a psychopath, a complete psychopath. And then made
1: up the whole story.
0: And then, so the paper towels that were strewn about in the bathroom, they theorized that she actually was going and soaking up the paper towels in Jana's blood to put them on her to make her look bloodier from her scratches so that it would make her wounds look more severe.
1: I wonder if she... How gosh, sick. what a sick person. Sick. and And I wonder if she was... The, the part that there's parts that make me think premeditated, like I bet she saw these two guys at some point and mm-hmm. said, oh, I'll pin it on them.
0: Right. My thinking is like, while, she, while some of this was going on, she happened to see them walk by. Right. And said, and oh, then, that'll
1: be who I pin it on.
0: Yeah. And then when she went and, and then thought you know, about the car, probably was thinking up her story and like what it was going to be. And then when she finally, um, when she finally came back to the police station, was like, oh, I remember a detail. She knew that they had found Jane's car. So she's probably realizing, oh, fuck, my hat's in there. Right. I got to come up with some reason as to why my hat would be in there. And Man. that's what she came up with. Man. Yeah. So the judge on this case, Robert Greenberg, sent her to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. And he had some scathing words for Brittany during the sentencing phase. He locked eyes with her while he called her crime cold-blooded, cold-blooded brutal, calculated, deliberate, devious, and malicious, he said, quote, you're one hell of a liar, and I have no doubt, Miss Norwood, that you are a deeply troubled woman. My sympathy for your plight does not begin to approach what I feel for the Murray family." He continued to say that with or without parole, quote, you will live. You will see another sunrise, another sunset, and maybe through a prison window. But there will be Christmases. There will be telephone calls. There will be visits. The only visits Jaina Murray will have are those to her grave. Man. Chilling. It gives me chills to think of this judge just like ripping into her. Right. Um, She tried to cry and say she was sorry, but nobody was having it. Um, Brittany has tried appealing her sentence, but her appeals have been denied. Um, I
1: literally almost said at the beginning of this podcast, I was going to say, so if this Brittany girl is still alive, like, have you looked her up? Like what's she up to nowadays thinking yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I bet she's having to deal with this all her life. And no, she's the one that did it. Mm-mm. Horrible.
0: So, um, yeah. And you know, that's why I chose to write this story in the way that I did, because I wanted you to feel the same things, or you know, get the same sensations that of other people hearing the story as it happened right. had felt. Many people who know the Lululemon murder story know what happened, and they probably have been listening so far, knowing that Brittany did it. But you had no idea, right? And this is the same type of like, whoa, mind blowing! Like, whoa, what a, what a turn of events! Yeah,
1: that the cops and everybody else, and everyone, everyone, else everyone felt in the community too. goes through. Mm-hmm. Man, that's wild.
0: So the Lululemon store in Bethesda is still there and above the windows in front of the store, there's a beautiful glass mosaic with the word love dedicated to Jaina and people still drop off flowers and cans of Dr. Pepper in Jaina's honor. So it is unlikely that she or this story will ever be forgotten.
1: Man. So I go to this and it's not to be obviously humorous at all. I'm being serious. I looked up Lulu to see when they went public. They went public in 07 and like... I know it's so random and it doesn't matter to the person's life, but I'm just curious, like, because I like business, Mm -hmm. how that affects a company. Because, like, this surely got national news, right?
0: Yeah, it did. It got national attention.
1: So I wonder if in those days their stock tanked. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just literally curious.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But that. I know that, you know, there's pictures from that Bethesda store and the wall is just covered in flowers. People dropped off oh tons gosh. of flowers and presents in memory of Jaina in support of Jaina and her family. So
1: violent and
0: So terrible. violent. Yeah. I mean, it, there's no, it's like you just can't make any sense of it. You can try, but you won't be successful That's because wild. people like that are out of their freaking minds.
1: Well everybody share the episode if you enjoyed it
0: And we'll see you Thank on Monday Thank you very much for listening Monday. Mama
1: mystery out
0: Bye